0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. And every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Mike, soon-to-be Dr. Scott Barber, come to you with the information that you need so that you can advocate for your family and for yourself regarding your health care needs. Um, we provide the information that you need so you can become informed consumers and informed patients. And uh, and uh, this uh, show is supported by the docs, for Patient Care Foundation, which um, is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. Um, our website is www.dforpcfoundation.org. dot org. Please go to our site and support our efforts, which allow us to do this show and do all the other work that we do around the country so that we can continue to advocate for you and fight for your healthcare freedom and support the doctor-patient relationship. Um, I have uh, a special in-studio guest today that those of you who are on uh, our Facebook channel or on iTunes watching the live podcast um, will have the uh, opportunity to... uh, to uh, uh, see and participate in. You can send in questions if you want into the Facebook channel, and we'll hopefully be able to uh, answer them if you have them. Um, But uh, it's always nice to have an in-studio guest, and and I'm delighted to have uh, uh, a a guest who I have uh, um, met really this year, but I've worked with um, her organization for quite some time. And uh, they're um, an organization that uh, is supported by the same foundation that uh, is a, uh, a huge benefactor to the Docs for Patient Care Foundation. Um, so uh, without any ado, I'd like to introduce my guest, Elaine Parker, who's the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation and the chief communications officer for the Job Creators Network She is a uh, frequent guest on syndicated radio shows and TV shows and has written extensively um, on subjects supporting the business community with pieces in major publications, publications, uh, that uh, all of us are familiar with, and I've had the, uh, the privilege to uh, get involved in the latest effort that the Job Creators Network has uh, taken on, which is on health care, and I'm not going to say much more. I'm going to let Elaine um, uh, tell us all about that, so welcome into the Doctor's Lounge, Elaine.
1: Thanks for having me, Hal. It's great to be here this morning.
0: Well, we are delighted that you're here because we've got a lot of ground to cover, and uh, we're going to start off by having you just explain to our listeners and viewers what the Job Creators Network is.
1: Well, the Job Creators Network is an organization founded by a man who's probably pretty well known in the in these parts uh, of the country, uh, Bernie Marcus. He's the co-founder of the Home Depot. And back in 2011, 2012, Bernie wanted to develop an organization that could advocate on behalf of small business and educate America's employees in a nonpartisan way, but to help employees understand how government policies impacted job creation um, and ultimately their paychecks. Not about telling people how to vote, but the delivery system that he wanted to see done through this education program was through small business owners, because they're trusted. Employees trust their small business owners, their, their bosses. Um, they know their families. Um, they're a family of employees when you go to work. And so um, when there's things going on in the country and the economy and we've got elections coming, many times um, small business owners have conversations with their employees about what's going on and how policies will impact their business and ultimately their employees. And so what we wanted to do was develop an education program that we could um, share with employers and they could then share with their employees through conversations, um, through, uh, short videos, um, blog posts, even just infographics, which are really just, um, graphics that tell a story. Uh, we touch on subjects, uh, that affect the economy and small business, like taxes and regulations and healthcare, um, debt and deficit, um, education, helping people under, energy, helping people understand how those issues Impact um, small business. Uh, What a lot of people don't realize. Is what a large community the small business community really is? There's about 60 million small business owners in this country, wow. and they, they they there's sorry there's 30 million small business owners in the country, and they employ 60 million people. So when you think about just that number, that's 90 million people dependent on the success of small business, wow. and that's before we ever talk about their husbands and wives and children and and their dependents. So you're talking about a huge swath of the country, and
0: we're talking about the whole. Workforce is about 180 million, isn't it?
1: We're at about 160 million right now, which is the largest our workforce has ever been.
0: So, so we're talking about the majority of the workforce is in small business.
1: It is, and they create small businesses, creating two thirds of all new jobs. Um, they're not coming in, in such large numbers from large corporations. Now, we need large corporations to create jobs too, but the bulk of them are coming from small business. And Bernie recognized that. And so a lot of people say to me, well, Home Depot's a big business. You know, what, why does Bernie care about that? Well, because when you think back, when the Home Depot was first starting, he was a small business. He was the little guy. Even
0: before that handy Dan.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He understands how small business works. And not only that, he comes from very, very meager beginnings. He grew up very poor. And he knew that this country could afford somebody the opportunity just by having the vision and the drive and who was willing to work hard and take risks. And he did, and of course it paid off. But when you think about his past and and being fired at the age of 50 and going on to start the Home Depot at 52, um, you know, and and having such great success, that's because of our free market and our capitalistic system. Yeah. And Bernie really wanted the Job Creators Network to defend that system For the next big idea, the next small business that became uh, an amazing icon, you know, that everybody, if I say the name, the Home Depot, everybody
0: knows who it is. Of course. So that really segues into the next question because you asked about, you you mentioned about the issues that affect small business and small business owners and, and employees. So why has the Job Creators Network? Um, decided to get into health care.
1: Well, if you don't mind, I like to take a step back just a couple of years because there's a great segue into it.
0: Certainly.
1: Um about 3 years ago in 2016, we launched a campaign called the Bring Small Businesses Back campaign. And it was following a very large national survey we did of, of small business owners and we were asked we asked them what was impacting their business and their ability to grow, thrive and even survive. And they came back and they said that three things. It was overtaxation, Overregulation and a lack of access to capital, and then we set out on a national bus tour. We traveled through about twenty states, about twelve thousand miles, and we did. It was very grass. It was grassroots at its best. I mean, we went Were into. You on that bus? I was on the bus. <laughs> I flew ahead of the bus sometimes because if the bus got held up, I was speaking, and at least I could get there and be at the event. So you must
0: have talked to people in just rural America in the flyover country.
1: We were in Nebraska, Ohio, um, Tennessee, we were, we were everywhere. Um, and we met with not just small business owners, but we invited the Congress, the U.S. Congressmen in those districts to come out and hear what these small businesses were, were struggling with and what the, how those issues were affecting them. And these small business owners, they weren't just Republicans, they weren't just Democrats, they were Americans. They were, they were of all stripes because they were all trying to make it in this, in the economy. And, and when you think about it, the, the taxes and the regulations that they were dealing with, many of the issues that they talked about centered around healthcare they centered around high minimum wages um and how there was such a threat out there for these very high minimum wages um in industries like restaurant owners where you know they they're on very small margins profit margins and to start uh, somebody at 15 dollars an hour in a in a restaurant it's just i mean you're going to see restaurants close sure. and now we've seen that in certain areas and so the other issue was health care and the cost of health care. And since 2013, we've seen over 30 percent of small business owners have had to drop health insurance for their employees because they simply can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big issue because it's an important, it, it's an important benefit to attract labor. But it's also important because, like what I mentioned, your family of employees, when you're the owner, that's your, that's your family. And you want
0: to take care of them.
1: Exactly. And we've found that a lot of our small business owners just simply couldn't afford it anymore. And,
0: and I'll just, I'll just, um, uh, d- uh, digress. You know, the, the, um, much of the dialogue of people who, are opposed to a market-based healthcare system try to villainize the employer and employer-based health, saying that that's something that should disappear. And quite the contrary, just for the exact reasons that you've mentioned, employers care about their employees. And even though it's a benefit, employers are, are happy to be able to provide that benefit to their employees
1: they do they want to take care of their employees um it it's become such a complicated system though that it is very onerous and it is burdensome both and expensive and expensive and it's it's burdensome just as the employee to understand what what's covered what does my plan do i mean it's just so complicated um and and to understand oh i need to get a pre-authorization before i go do this or that and if you do it wrong then you're not going to get reimbursed for it you know they're not going to pay for the for the care and and it is confusing um
0: and and i'll just i'll just also um add to that as as a physician i i run a practice of over 400 people and we have a health plan that half of our employees can't participate in because they can't afford it and and so the way things are right now, the way that they're constructed, as you've said, not only onerous, not only expensive, but convoluted and difficult and offer no flexibility so that an employer can be able to find ways to help the employees who can't necessarily find, um, uh, can fit into the health plan that you're able to afford and, and provide for the majority of your employees.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Um, one of the other issues has been, does my, you know, people can't you go to the doctor they want to go to right. under certain plans. So they've lost their doctor, they've mm-hmm. lost choice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt that there was a broken system before Obamacare. I mean, th- we had issues within the system that needed to be fixed. But for the vast majority of people, 85 to 95% of people who got employer insurance, it wasn't, it, it was a good system for It was a
0: good system, but it was getting more and more expensive.
1: Exactly. But we upended a system for a small population, and if we could have zeroed in on that population and those issues, we didn't have to upend an entire system.
0: Okay, well, um, you know we we have a lot more ground to cover. Even e- those of you who are listening, yes, this is the doctor's lounge, and we are talking about healthcare. And, and uh, my guest is Elaine Parker from the Job Creators Network, and they have done a tremendous amount. Of work in trying to take on this healthcare beast. So, when we come back in the next segment, we're going to get uh, into the meat of why the Job Creators Network has gotten involved in this. So, stay with us.
2: Thank you.
3: Good morning. My name is Mike Mizell. I'm a retired Army colonel and president of the john's creek veterans association we meet in newtown park and part of one of our projects is the installation of the healing wall the half scale model of the vietnam wall that traveled the united states well it's coming to rest and it's going to live in john's creek forever the half scale model we're looking at a possibly a march implementation ribbon cutting ceremony and we're looking for donors and sponsors that want to help us in this great project you can donate at jcvets.org
0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. My guest today is Elaine Parker, the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation, and she is uh, the point person for an initiative that we're going to get into right now. That the uh, in healthcare that the job creators network has launched into. So Elaine, um, I've, I asked you the question before, and you gave a little background. But why now? Why is the job creators network getting into the healthcare fight?
1: Well, as I mentioned, um, it. Small business has been very, has been hurt quite a bit um, by Obamacare and the skyrocketing premiums. And so what we wanted to do was come up with a solution. Um, We hear a lot about um, uh, Medicare for all, uh, a single payer system, um, even the public option and expanding Obamacare. Um, and how that would be a great solution for the American people, and it's being put forth by the Democratic pe- presidential candidates. Several of them, most of them, in one way, one form or another, um, supports a single payer system. It's just how fast do we get there? Right. With Bernie Sanders, it's on day one. With Elizabeth Warren, it's three years in. Um, with uh, Biden and Buttigieg um, and some of the others, it's and just it's a slow slower. Track. It's just a slower walk, but right. they're all walking in the same direction. Absolutely. Um, and we need a solution. We need an alternative. And so, what we did last year was we, in partnership with several physician groups, um, uh, including Physicians for Reform, is we launched a national healthcare study, a market research study, not a poll, not a survey. Um, and we, we, uh, utilized, uh, sophisticated market research called discrete choice modeling. And we got the inputs of 25,000 American voters. These are Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, to find out exactly what they want in a health care plan. What are they willing to pay for? Um, because if you ask somebody in a poll or a survey, what do you want in options? Well, they want everything, and they don't want to pay much for it. Right. This is about really uh, discrete choice modeling, making them choose and prioritize the important issues and what they want to pay for. And what they came back with is that they want personalized health care. They want choice. They want to get the bureaucrats out of the system and out of making decisions for them in the, in, in, and get that decision-making process back between them and their doctor. Um, and they want um, to restore that doctor-patient relationship. Um, so much of that doctor-patient relationship has been broken under Obamacare with uh, bureaucrats and and paperwork and the complexity of the system. And we need to get back to that relationship so that doctors and patients are making those choices and not bureaucrats. Um, and injecting choice and competition uh, will also help bring down the cost of health care. Um, it happens in every single um Every single uh, area where you inject competition and choice, you have uh, you have uh, people competing for consumer dollars, and as soon as you have that, um, the products get better, and in healthcare it means the innovations get better, and the prices come down. and And I'll just give you an example of that: um, LASIK eye surgery. It's not something that's covered by health insurance. So when we want it, we know we're going to pay out of pocket for it. It was approved by the FDA in 2000, the year 2000. So now we're almost 20 years into it. We are 20 years into it. And the price has come come down 50% because they're competing for those consumer dollars. But the innovation's gotten even better. The surgery is even better. So imagine that. You see the price come down and the product gets better. Um, Another example is braces. Um, if you shop around, I have two teenage girls who both went through braces, so personally I went through this. Um, I shopped around for braces, mm-hmm. and the prices are very, very different.
0: Variable, but expensive in some places.
1: Very expensive. And so I shopped for the best price, for the best service, um, and obviously who I liked.
0: You controlled it.
1: Yes, Yes. And what we need to do is actually fundamentally change how we view healthcare. We are consumers. We're consumers of of uh, the products you buy, food, electronics, but we're also consumers of healthcare. And so we developed this this plan um, and the campaign is called Healthcare For You. So listen to the juxtaposition of healthcare for you versus Medicare for all. Right. Personalized healthcare. Right.
0: That's what people want. So in if if you don't mind me getting into the weeds a little bit about the survey that you did in in if i um, if I can share this you um, in doing the survey one of the things that people were willing to do is pay more in taxes if everything was provided now that's a competing message with personalized health care so I am an advocate of healthcare for you, and I'm, par- I'm a partner. Dots for Patient Care is a supporting organization. This is what we believe, what we've always said. But it's it's a real um, it's it's a dichotomy. It's a real contra uh, contradistinction between trying to um, get in get people to understand. That they should be controlling their health care because it's a scary thought, some many people would just as soon say, "You know what, I'll pay more if it's all taken care of for me how do you how do you um get that message across to people that that's not the best thing
1: so here is here's kind of the issue. I think there's a level of frustration that there's not a solution on the table. And if you've ever heard the saying, in the in the absence of a better plan, my plan is the best plan. Right. So the plan that's on the table is Medicare for all, government-run health care. The American people are at a point where they want a solution. They don't want to just hear the problems with Obamacare. Right. They want a real solution. Right. Health care for you is a real solution that puts patients... The American public back in charge of their own health care um, and it helps them understand that it's really the complexity of the system that's so expensive. It is not health care healthcare is affordable um and i know that you know personally the the direct primary care um field with physicians that are moving away from insurance and moving towards just having that doctor patient relationship and um the way the system is set up with a monthly um fee kind of like a gym membership from you know you pay 40 to 60 dollars a month and you have full access to your doctor um when you look at what the cost of just say a simple blood test is Going to a, a direct primary care physician versus a physician that takes health insurance. Or going
0: into a hospital where they jack up the price 20 times or more.
1: Yeah. I mean, I spoke with one direct primary care physician, and she said that she charges $60 a month for her uh, monthly fee. Right. Her patients have full access to her. And when she runs a blood test and she goes through her network, which is just like her, they don't take the insurance, they opt out of it, it's a $3 blood test.
0: If she has to send it out, if she has a machine in her practice, which a lot of primary care, direct primary mm-hmm. care doctors do... They can actually do that blood test, and it's included in that monthly fee. They don't pass that along
1: exactly and and she said in comparison, that same blood test, if you are including the insurance and the complexity of our system, is a hundred dollars. oh
0: yes, yes so and and uh, and that goes toward your deductible. So you're paying um, for a family of four on average $20,000 or more a year in your insurance premiums plus a $6,000 to $12,000 deductible depending on your plan. So that blood test winds up costing you sometimes more than $100 if it's a complicated blood test and there are multiple multiple uh, tests that they're running. Um, so, so let's break down, you know, healthcare for you, Almost sounds like a platitude right it's it's uh, very you know it's a it's a a, a slogan um, so why don't we break down what health care for you really means
1: sure so our research told us that the American people didn't want backroom deals like Obamacare was um, you know we have to we have to pass the bill to find out what's in it um, what we did was we've put together a personalized health care plan with seven um, elements. It's basically a framework for health care uh, reform, and it includes seven elements that will put patients back in charge and will restore that doctor-patient relationship. So we have to, it, under our plan, we really have to fundamentally change how we think about health insurance in this country. Um, we need personalized health care that offers choice and affordability and uh, empowers patients to control their health care decisions. So think about this. Owning your own health insurance, much the same way we do with car insurance and life insurance. When you change jobs, you take it with you. So make it portable um, and affordable. And to do that, we want to expand eight what we know as HSAs, health savings accounts, um, and expand them so that employers can actually opt out, if they so choose, to providing the employer health insurance and fund those HSAs so that employees can then purchase their own health insurance um and that will allow employees obviously more choice, more control and and be more educated about the system. Right now under HSAs you can't pay for those kinds of services, you can't buy your own pay for premiums, you can't pay for direct primary care with it. So expanding um what we can do with HSAs is very important um uh, issue. And of course, expanding access to direct medical care, direct primary care, as we've discussed, is another important, um, way to help lower costs. And as we were just talking about the difference in costs of a blood test, um, direct medical care, direct primary care costs are generally 40% lower than health insurance rates. Mm-hmm. Forty percent. So that's just removing the complexity of the system. Right. Um, another way to one of our, our third element is to really um, allow states to restore competition and increase choice and lower costs. And to do that, we need to roll back some of those Obamacare um, regulations, those essential care benefits that requires states to essentially offer a one size fits all plan. So if we restore that regulatory power back to the states. They're able to um, bring in more insurance companies. They're able to offer different types of plans. So if you need a catastrophic um, plan, you can get it. And if you need a Cadillac plan, you can get it.
0: So we, um, we've we covered, uh, I think, four of the elements of the seven elements of the uh, Healthcare for You framework because it's not a plan, and uh, it's, it's the elements that are necessary for people in in Washington to embrace at, um, that are based on the desires and the demands of the of the of the American public, the consumers of healthcare, and uh, we'll uh, get into uh, the final elements and go a little deeper into some of these uh, efforts and what you might be able to do, uh, those of you who are listening, to get on board this effort um, when we get back in the Doctor's Lounge in the next segment. So please stay with us.
2: Thank you. This
3: is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works.
0: Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. Thanks for being here with us today. Today we're talking with Elaine Parker, who is the president of the Job Creators Network Foundation. We're um, talking about the initiative that the Job Creators Network has taken on, which is uh, a very ambitious one so that uh, uh, they can uh, take the lead in trying to rein in the beast, which is... Um, out of control healthcare. So Elaine, when we left, you started uh, enumerating the different um, uh, points, uh, the 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 tenets of the um, of the healthcare for you um, framework. So why don't you pick it up from there?
1: Sure. Uh, we left off talking about really restoring that, uh, regulatory authority back to the states. Uh, and that's an important issue because every state's different. What works in Kansas isn't going to work in New Jersey. It's a different population. And the states, uh, the state governments are going to understand that population better. So if we can remove those regulations, roll those, um, back on Obamacare, um, and not require this one size fits all, um, right now we've got about half of the folks in the individual market, the Obamacare market, who have two or less choices. One in five only have one choice. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest problems is because of this one size fits all, um, we, we've, we've gone away from choices. Prices and premiums and deductibles have skyrocketed. So if we can return that authority back to the states and they can create a very vibrant, healthy insurance market within their states for their population, um, you're going to see people who can either they can purchase a catastrophic plan and perhaps supplement it with uh, or, or go with the DPC option, the direct primary care, and supplement it with a catastrophic plan, which works for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you still want that Cadillac option, that will be available, too. But the. The interesting thing is the natural forces of the free market will drive those pri- all of those prices down. Mm-hmm. Um and so a Cadillac plan isn't going to be as expensive um, under, under this idea, under this plan, as it is now. Right. So, but it's available and, and, and doing that, and you know who's going to understand that is the local government, whether it's the, the insurance commissioners and the governors within those states. It's amazing what some of the states have done themselves, um, to create and actually kind of get around and provide more choice for their states.
0: Well, you know why? Because they are also consumers of healthcare. Mm-hmm. They have to provide healthcare for the people who work in, in their communities, whether it's the teachers or whether it is the the firefighters or even people in local government. They're they're purchasers of health care. And so what we see in communities around the country are that they're looking at these options. They're going out and they're trying to figure out alternative ways of providing health care at lower cost. And this is, this is something that, of course, is going to spark their interest.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, of course, we want to, uh, as I mentioned, increase um, access to direct primary care, um, and the costs there come down tremendously. Um, we want to lower drug prices. Uh, that is a huge, huge issue for people. And it's easy to look at just the pharmaceutical companies and blame them. But there's a whole complex system there of middlemen.
0: The, that P- have- the PBMs. Yes. We talk about that on this show often.
1: Yes. So right now, $250 billion, that's with a B, billion, per year goes to the middleman. And that should be returned to the patients in the form of lower costs.
0: So... 85% of the pharmacy benefit management companies guess who owns them? The three largest insurance companies in the country. And so so this is this is a cartel that needs to be broken and this is I think why it's so important for the business community and I'm so delighted and excited that the job creators network is behind this because the the special interests are really the the reason why insu- why, why health care costs are so expensive it's not it's not going to your doctor that's expensive it's where you get your health care and right now 65 percent of of care of doctors are employed by hospitals hospitals are, the highest cost center for health care in the nation. The insurance companies are making record profits year after year since 2012. Come on, there's a reason why they're making more money because the, the, this environment has allowed that to happen. And the, and the pharmaceutical industry, the, the, the companies and the middlemen like you said and all the other middlemen are sucking resources out of healthcare, lining their pockets, and, and so healthcare does not need to be expensive and direct primary care doctors have shown us this. So it's so important to have the business community right at the side of the physicians and people who are trying to show patients that there's a better way of doing this Than having the government or the status quo. And and so this is why it's so important for the Job Creators Network to be involved in this and behind this.
1: Absolutely. And and drug costs just don't need to be this high. I mean, I have a friend who's a type 1 diabetic, um, and his insulin, if he didn't have insurance, would be $450 a week. Jeez. I mean that's that's a bankrupting cost. Of
0: course it is. It's and and,
1: and and if they don't have their insulin, they die.
0: Right, and we've become the piggy bank for the world for the for the pharmaceutical companies. They've every um, major um, Western power comp- country has a, some form of socialized health care, which it, incidentally is not working for them, and they're moving away from it. But their socialized system um uh, basically means that they have the ability to go to pharmaceutical companies and tell them what they're going to pay for healthcare care mm-hmm. or, or pay for their their drugs not not respond to what the drug companies tell them the cost is going to be and these drug companies want to be in these countries and they say okay we'll 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 take what you want to pass and then they make up the difference on the American consumers, on the American patients.
1: Well, exactly. And and while we're not fans of price controls, um, we believe that if we look at uh the middlemen and um you know the the people the special interests that have a very big interest in keeping these prices high because they're financially benefiting if we can remove some of that waste and some of those middlemen um that the the prices can come down naturally through the assist, through the through the forces of the free market Absolutely. um and people will be able to afford their drug prices but price controls the concern there is that we won't get the latest and greatest.
0: Right, right. Well, this, this is, as you said, one of the more complex areas because you have a, an industry that we're dependent on for the latest innovations, and yet we can't necessarily afford the latest and greatest innovations that that they're coming up with. Um, it is a bankrupting event when you have a very unusual Problem and a drug that is very expensive, and so the answer lies somewhere in the middle, making the the average drugs um, affordable, and then there are, can be programs for the for the more um, unusual problems, more expensive conditions. Um, but when you've got um, regulations in place that allow a company to rape the system. We all remember just a few years ago when um, the the company that made EpiPens was um, changed hands and they decided to raise the price of the EpiPen to um, $7,000. That's absolutely criminal, and it was deemed criminal, but, but that should never happen. Epinephrine is not an expensive drug to make, and this is happening over and over again with even generic drugs, where they're being the prices are being jacked up by new ownership or even existing ownership, and, and so so um, the answer to this is to not price control, but to get to to change some of the laws and regulations that have allowed these companies to profit way beyond reasonable, and and help the American consumers.
1: I agree. I agree. We have to make um, pharmaceuticals more affordable for everybody.
0: What's the next thing on your list?
1: Very important. We want to protect those with pre existing conditions. Agreed. one hundred percent. I know that the Democrats, every time we talk about um, a, an alternative plan to Obamacare or to government run health care, they accuse the Republicans of wanting to do away with pre existing conditions. That is the furthest thing from the truth. And the president himself has said that is imperative that we protect people with pre existing conditions. But there's a whole it's 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 not It's not a, um, standalone issue. As we start to improve all of these other, other issues, increasing choice and competition and bringing down the cost of healthcare itself, um, expanding, um, uh, health savings accounts and allowing people to own their own health insurance so that it becomes portable and affordable and they can move from job to job. They never lose their health insurance when they do that so they never have a lapse in coverage. And they
0: never have a pre-existing condition because they've started out healthy or with a condition that the company has un- uh, acknowledges is there and they've underwritten it and they move on on a, on a go-forward basis.
1: Exactly. If you own your own health insurance, you're never going to have a lapse in coverage um, when you move from job to job. That doesn't cover every... That doesn't solve 100% of the problems, but it goes a long way to solving the problem. It sure does. There's always going to be people who have, uh, chronic people, chronic, uh, illnesses that we have to address. And again, that leads back to another piece, another piece of the puzzle we've already discussed, which is allowing states to regulate their own insurance markets and create that healthy insurance market that drives down costs for patients and allowing states to actually develop their own guaranteed coverage pool. Um, and, and that will protect patients with true pre-existing conditions. And there's a lot of different models out there that states can opt to do. Um, so first, let's start with most states already have laws on the books. Many states have laws on the books in one form or another that protects pre-existing conditions. Um, it is not Obamacare that came along for the first time ever and said, we're going to protect pre-existing conditions. That's right. Uh, they like to take credit of for it. Of course they do. But the laws that are on the state books are moot under Obamacare because it's a federal law. So those laws already exist in many of those states and laws that need to, states that want to strengthen them, they can if they want to change them and create different models. There's so many different ways, whether it's a high risk, uh, a guaranteed coverage pool, but if you think about it, right now there's about $17 billion in subsidies that go to folks who qualify for the subsidies under Obamacare. Um, so that's $17 billion. That is, we see the cost of health care and health costs come down. For health insurance. Many of those people won't need those subsidies. That frees up $17 billion in federal subsidies that could go to states to help create those high-risk pools and cover um, pre-existing conditions. There's a lot of different ways to approach this, but we have to be open to the discussion.
0: Right. Yeah. You, you know, you got to start somewhere. And, and everything is interconnected. They're moving parts. Was that number six or was that number seven?
1: That was number six. That
0: was number six. What's number seven?
1: Reducing defensive medicine and remove costs from the system. There.
0: That's really that's that's almost the third rail. I mean, I've been.
1: You're involved. probably the expert in that area. <laughs> I've,
0: been, I've been involved in that for a number of years, and you know, we are we'll, we'll we have one more segment. And we're gonna. Just talk about pushback, but the pushback from the trial lawyers and from the American Bar Association has been just—it's been unbelievable because the the ideas that have been put forth are are very very um, uh, well—they're they're threatening to to that industry and they they want to preserve their their uh, their. their their industry, their, <laughs> there which is which is suing doctors and 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 there are bad doctors. I'm not going to say there are, and, and there are certain cases that need to be need to be. You need to have malpractice or, or protections for the public, but it's gotten out of control. We've all seen the commercials late at night. Do you have these? Have you been taking these drugs? Have you been had this? These symptoms, you know, it's it's out of control. So, one more segment. Please stay with us.
3: Hal, I'm going to take advantage of uh, position just a little bit uh, because every audience is different, and uh, everyone's invited the 29th of January next Wednesday to the uh, Capitol Rotunda for the induction of 15 more
0: Capitol Rotunda in in Georgia.
3: Right, right, yes, Uh, downtown. Uh, across the street from the Floyd Building, where uh, the Georgia Military Veterans uh, Hall of Fame is. And they will be inducting uh, 15 more members in the rotunda, which is not their norm, but uh, they're doing something different and inviting everyone to attend. And um, bring your own Kleenex, because it, it is quite moving hearing what these people did and what they gave up, and, and uh, to make you and I uh, safe. And so everyone's invited. The governor will be there. The senators will be there. It'll be quite an operation. So please mark it on your calendar. It's at 2 o'clock on Wednesday the 29th.
0: Thanks, David.
3: We'll be back with more right after this. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do,
4: join us on The Doctors' Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m.
3: You're listening to America's Web
0: Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back in the doctor's lounge. My guest today is Elaine Parker from the Job Creators Network. We're having a, a, a great conversation about their uh, plan in health care. And uh, in this last segment, Elaine, I have a couple of things that I want to cover. First of all, the framework that you've set up is um, has gotten the support of our President, hasn't it?
1: The administration has been using personalized health care. They do like um, the idea of personalized health care. Um, they love health care for you. Um, we do have a lot of support within um, the white house and and uh, washington, d c. So we're excited about that. what about what about in Congress? So we've been meeting with um, leadership in the Senate. Um, And talking to them about the framework and helping them understand the research and what we've done here. And there's a lot of support for it. Um, but let me take a step back and kind of talk about the support we're bringing to Washington. Okay. Um, and this is what makes our approach so unique and why it has an opportunity to actually succeed. Um, always healthcare reform, any kind of reform, starts, has always started in Washington, Washington centric. The bureaucrats, the politicians, they tell the states what they're doing. Obamacare was exactly the same. Um, what we've done is we've started with the people. This plan is of, by, and for the people. And now we're building support within the states. Um, We've actually brought on the insurance commissioners, Republican insurance commissioners. Um, We're bringing together a meeting later this month in Washington, D.C. to really talk to them about um, what is working for them in their states and what they need at the federal level to change so that they can create a better market. So the insurance commissioners, for your listeners, um, they are the guys who make these insurance markets work. Right. Um, and have to struggle with the regulations when they're not working. Right. We're also, um, uh, working with attorneys general, state attorneys general, and developing a similar committee, um, to identify and work with those folks on insurance regulations within the states. And we have a job creators network governors committee with about 14 Republican governors. Um, our CEO is also speaking before, um, the, um, uh, Repu- the Rga the Republican Governor's association next month um, where they're going to consider actually making health care for you one of their 2020 policy planks mm-hmm. so as we bring together the state support, um, and we move towards talking to folks in the Senate and the White House about bringing legislation. What we're looking at doing is bringing forth, if you remember Newt Gingrich's sure. contract, with, um, contract America. with America. So think in terms of a health care contract with America. Um so that we can have a true alternative, bring together different bills that are currently in existence
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, under one umbrella that we could actually look at how to solve this crisis. And it's
0: funny that you mentioned that because uh, just this week a, a, uh, a new plan came out, which is the Personalized Care Act. And I have a feeling that the Job Creators Network – had, has fingerprints on that. It it, it was um, introduced in the Senate um, by Ted Cruz, and I know that you've worked with Ted Cruz, and he's he's very interested in the job that the work that that Job Creators Network is doing.
1: We we weren't involved in that bill specifically, and and we don't lobby, so we wouldn't be specifically involved with that type of with the legislation. But um, but I am familiar with it, and that would be the type of of legislation to bring under a health care contract with but that's America. That's the
0: influence that the Job Creators Network efforts has made. I know that there are um, you know they they pay attention to what what you're doing and this and. Putting together this kind of legislation, which is based on the seven tenets of what you've uh, already shared with us, is is what really um, I think um, it's it's the meat behind behind these these uh, bills that are being introduced, and and this one is saying the exact same thing that you've already told everybody um, the healthcare for you is about, which is. Um, portability of insurance and using health savings accounts and something you didn't mention, which are health reimbursement uh, accounts so that people can actually um, get money put into an account for health care purposes by their employer that is not necessarily part of a health care plan, but the individuals can direct that money to be used for health care as they see fit. And these are all actually executive orders that originated with President Trump. And he also, in his executive orders, because the executive orders aren't under the force of law, They're, they're frameworks just like this is a framework, and they're intended to inform Congress of what is expected of them when the president says it, when Job Creators Network says it, because it's the mandate from the people They've got to be responsive to it and create legislation to actually memorialize it and make it work.
1: Yes, uh, the, the president uh, and his administration has gone a long way through executive order. Um, to come up with some solutions, whether it's, um, expanding short-term health plans, um, for, which were severely reduced under Obamacare, um, but they are affordable to people, um, who are in between jobs and, and they were, they're pretty much outlawed under Obamacare, really. And now we've got a, uh, he's expanded them under executive order to, um, as much as two and three years. Um, and then, as you mentioned, health, uh, reimbursement accounts, um, association health plans, um, and it, but this is through executive order, and right. what happens with one president can be changed with another president.
0: Most definitely, so that's why we need Congress. It's it's. It, I mean, this is this is really a a group effort, and uh, I'm, I'm delighted that Job Creators Network is is leading this charge because, again, the business community is the engine. That that runs America with more than Job Creators Network, which touches more than than fifty percent of the American workforce. This is, there needs to be an organization, a group that is is taking the lead to make people who actually can make a difference in Washington um, take notice and and be able to. Uh, to um, enact legislation that will do two things. Number one, um, get out of the way. Take away regulations that have been put in, not just by Obamacare. Ob- that's, that's another mis- misconception. These things didn't happen be- be- um, at, at Obamacare. It's not when they started. started long before that. Get rid of regulations that are impeding competition and lowering of health prices. And the second thing is putting legislation in place that enable the creative engine of, of people, of individuals, to help lower costs and, and provide better care.
1: Absolutely. And and like I said, the uniqueness of healthcare for You, and, and I realize I haven't said it at all, but if anyone is interested in um, going to our website... Thank you.
0: That's where I was going.
1: It's healthcareforyou.com, but the unique aspect of this is it starts with the people. Of by and for the people, and the coordination that we're developing between the state government um, and the federal government that will be in place for support is unlike anything that's ever been done before. Because instead of from Washington to the states, it's going to be from the states to the Washington. So bottom, a bottom bottom uh, up
0: instead of top down
1: bottom up approach, um, which you know just has never been done before. And we've developed an incredible coalition in just the first two weeks of this year. Tell us
0: who some of the people in this coalition are?
1: So some of the influence. Uh Newt Gingrich has signed on. Dr. Tom Price, former HH, HHS, HHS Secretary, has signed on, and of course, a resident here in Atlanta.
0: And to help the person who helped uh, uh, launch Docs for Patient Care Foundation.
1: Exactly. Um, Dr. John Goodman, who is the president and CEO of the Goodman Institute and also was instrumental in developing, originally developing health savings accounts. So he knows a thing or two about expanding them. Um, And Steve Forbes has also um, endorsed the plan uh, and tweeted out some very positive uh, comments about us as well.
0: Some pretty impressive people.
1: We've put together a coalition of about 40 organization um, combined uh, physician and business groups. Uh, The physician groups represent about 40,000 physicians across the country. Um, and the business groups rep- represent upwards of 20 million jobs. We're, we, we're growing this co- coalition, and it grows every day, um, and because people do want this solution.
0: One of the things that um, I, I, I um, thought we were that, that uh, was going to happen with um, health care for you was collecting stories from individuals. Is that correct?
1: It is, and I was going to mention that. Um, if you are a physician, a patient... Um, if you're a physician and you want to get involved, for you.com, you can become what we call a physician advocate and work with us on, we'll help you get your story out in the media through radio shows like this, um, op-eds in the newspaper, TV and radio. Um, I've media trained um, several um, doctors who are actually speaking out. We didn't hear their voice during the Obamacare fight. We're going to hear their voice in 2020. Um, if you're a small business owner and you want to talk about the rising cost of healthcare, Care. Go to healthcare for you, and you can become an advocate and do exactly the same thing.
0: But you need to donate to this because this is um, not something. This is this doesn't happen by itself, and you're going to see more and more um, uh, information about healthcare for you. In your local media, national media, and it takes it takes dollars. And I'm going to say what Elaine hasn't said, which is that you really need to support this effort because every single person listening to this is a patient. Um, and if you're not a patient right now, you will be very soon, sooner than you might think. So you need to really um, send some dollars. The, the website one more time is healthcareforyou.com. Elaine, any last word?
1: We can win this fight. Healthcare for you, personalized health care. It, it is uh, your health, your doctor, your wallet, your choice.
0: Thank you so much for being here with us, and hopefully we can get you back. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for
3: listening.